When you think of God, what is the first word that comes to mind? Depending on our past experiences, or maybe what we're going through right now, uh, our perception of the word that comes to mind might be different from one another. Some of us might say kind and gentle, merciful, loving, all-knowing, while others of us might say judgmental, unfair, or distant. This morning, we're kicking off our new series, God Is. It can be easy to perceive God as something based upon our own life experiences or what the world tells us he is, what our circumstances dictate. But what we want to look at is what Scripture says about who God is. Throughout the course of the series, we're going to be uh, honing in on four aspects about him that give us insight on how he relates with us and how we can find comfort through him. Our passage today is found in 1 John. And this book of the Bible is most likely originally written to a group of small churches in Ephesus, or outside of Ephesus maybe even. The churches were finding themselves facing some adversity and division because of false teachings that had created schisms within their congregations. John writes to them to remind them of what binds them together and to encourage them to love one another. Through John's message to these people, we're able to see and learn about how God's love impacts us and learn more about the nature of his love. Our scripture for today comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses uh, 7 through 21. And our scripture read for this week is Terry Downs. So would everyone who is able please rise and face the center of the room for the reading of God's word? We do this to remind us of the centrality scripture is supposed to have in our lives and that it's the primary lens to view and uh, view what we do and how we live. So whenever you're ready, Terry, go ahead and get started. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent us his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
This is how love is made complete amongst us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thank you, Terry. Uh, you can all be seated. Did you guys get all that? Perfect. All right. God is love. Our passage starts by proclaiming this beautifully bold and true statement. Not only does he express love, it's a part of his very being. He personifies it. Because love is so deeply intertwined with who God is, it's important for us to pursue gaining a greater understanding of what God's love looks like and how it interacts and transforms our lives. Verses 17 through 12 help shed some light on the nature of God's love. In verse 7, we are told that love comes from God. It's not a concept that we created ourselves as human beings. God is the source. Any love experienced in this world starts with him. The type of love that is being spoken of here throughout scripture is agape love, which is the highest form of love. It describes the love that God has for us and the love that we reciprocate back to God. It embodies a deep and profound, sacrificial, selfless love. This kind of love can only be given once it has been received from God and only exists in us as a response of his love for us. God's love is meant to be reciprocated. We are also shown the nature of his love through the sending of his son, Jesus. Love personified. Verses 9 and 10 demonstrate the love of God is active. It's not just a strong feeling that he has for a group of people while watching from a distance. It says that he sent his son. The life and death of God's only son, Jesus Christ, displayed an active love that God has for us. God is not just all talk. I would argue most of us in this room would say that actions speak louder than words. And God walked the talk with his love. He came to earth himself as Jesus and showed his love through the discipleship of his apostles, through the miracles that he performed, and ultimately through the painful act of dying on the cross. His love in its nature takes action. Now his action on the cross would demonstrate the sacrificial nature 
of his love. And this love is one rooted in humility, which allows for him to give up himself for the sake of others. I feel like one of the greatest pictures of this kind of selfless love is the mother of a newborn baby. Because the deep love of, because of the deep love that she feels for her highly dependent child, she willingly deprives herself of sleep so she can feed the baby and comfort the baby. Because of her willingness to provide a constant attention and care throughout the day, she often wears herself out to the point of being overdone. And because she doesn't want her baby to get a tummy ache, she finds her shirt at the end of the day covered in spit up and mucus. Sometimes the dads have that too. The love she has for her child is one of a sacrificial nature where she gives up herself for the sake of the well-being and love that she has for that child. In verse 10, it states that it was not because of our love for God, but his love for us, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to atone for our sin. We don't deserve it. It's a selfless act. God is the source of love. His love is active, it's sacrificial, and it's meant to be reciprocated. But his love is also meant to be embraced. In verse 13 through 16, we are shown what it looks like to embrace the active and sacrificial love of God. John would show us this through proclaiming that God lived in him because he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. He proclaimed that he received the Holy Spirit because he had testified that God had sent Jesus to be his Savior, to be the Savior of the world. John believed that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. He would continue saying that anyone else who acknowledged and believed the same would go on to have God live in them as well, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John believed in his heart that Jesus was his Lord and Savior, and he gave testimony to it. Romans 10.10 says this, For it is with your heart that you believe, and you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We fully embrace God's love when we choose to believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we put our faith in him. Doing this requires an acknowledgement and a reliance on God's sacrificial love. One that was personified in Christ. As we begin embracing and relying on God's love, we begin to find ourselves living in it. Verse 16 through 18 talk about what it looks like to live in God's love. It says that love is made complete among us and that in the world we are like Jesus. When we live in God's love, we are given the amazing opportunity to partner with him in completing or perfecting 
his love. We get to play a role in the equation of his perfect love for the world around us. Earlier in verse 12, it said that God's love was made complete in us. When John's talking about us completing God's love, he isn't saying necessarily that God needs us to complete his love. But rather, he was willing to include us in the expression of his love. When we partner with God in loving others, we get to participate in completing the love that he has for the world. What an amazing opportunity to be a part of. But before you can show his love to the world, I think it's important that we take a second and make sure that we're embracing his love for us. Embracing his love for us in a way that allows for us to love ourselves. As Christians, it's easy for us to maybe know how to help and, and love on others, but I think something we really neglect is the love of ourselves. Not of our desires, but just of us. We don't extend the same courtesy as we do to others. Remember in the greatest commandment that we are to love God, but we are also called to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we do not love, show love towards ourselves, we do not give ourselves a standard by which to love our neighbors. God loves us, and it is okay and healthy for us to love ourselves. When we live in God's love, we will find that this love that he has for us drives out the fear in our lives it says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives it out. We are often confronted with life circumstances that elicit fear. It could be the fear of losing someone we love, whether that's sickness or tragedy. It could be the fear of losing our job our friendships. It could be the fear of a secret coming to light or the fear of not living up to the expectations that you've set for yourself and others have set for you. When we live in God's love, we have the power to not let these fears dictate the way that we live. It no longer rules our lives. It says that fear has to do with punishment. When we fear, we find ourselves worried about the potential negative outcomes of our unknown circumstances. But when we live in God's love, we are instead focused on the grace, forgiveness, and restoration that comes from it. I've always been a person that, that can struggle with fear. It's why to this day I've never ridden a motorcycle. I will never drive a motorcycle. It's why even in college I needed my sister to get a date. I was scared of girls. It's what delayed me from embracing my calling to ministry. Fear of not being good enough. I found that when I live in fear, I get so preoccupied with the potential outcomes of the unknown 
that it keeps me from living in God's love. But when I finally decide to live in it, what I see is this strengthened courage to get through whatever lies before me. As our passage comes to a close in verses 19 through 21, uh, we are shown God's love is meant to be reflected. As we embrace and live into God's love, it should evoke a change in how we treat others. What started as a transformation of the heart and the mind should progress to a transformation of our conduct. John reminds us that we are called to love others because God first loved us. But he would also challenge us. His love for us should challenge us to love others. When we look at our lives and the way that we treat others, does it reflect the love of God? I think it's something we all struggle with. How often do we find ourselves disregarding a person in need on a street corner? How often do we avoid eye contact with that person in the octagon we don't want to have a conversation with? How often are we willing to spend time with our, not willing to spend time with our friends that are struggling in the midst of our own busy schedules? Or how often do we find something as simple as finishing off the last Samoa in your Girl Scout cookie stash? I never deal with that. John would take this opportunity to issue a warning to those who found it hard to love their brother and sister. Now when John says brother and sister, he's referring to his fellow believers. I know there are people in this room right now who have unresolved conflict with others in this room. We are called to love our brothers and our sisters. Now, that process might take time and it might take some discerning in how to make happen. But God's love can make anything happen. John would go on to say that whoever claimed to love God yet hated a brother or sister was a liar. Because how can you love someone unseen like God if you can't even love the person standing right in front of you? Where in your life is God convicting you to better emulate the, his love towards others? If we truly love God, then our conduct should find ourselves reflecting his love towards others. We are called to reflect God's love. Earlier this week, the, the church staff and myself were so blessed to be able to talk with Nancy and Ajay. I think they're already in the, in the um, atrium. But upon hearing them, it was incredibly evident that lives are being transformed over in Thailand. 
One of the stories that they shared with us involved a young Christian man and his family being kicked out of their village because they professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. After being kicked out of the village, the village was in need of building a new well. But the only place to build a well was in an area that was haunted by evil spirits. When people would come onto the property, uh, they would find themselves getting sick, getting boils, uh, all these weird, dark things happening to them. So the village thought, why not let the Christian build the well? So they presented it to him, and he agreed to build the well for the group of people that exiled him. His building the well did not get him anything. He was not reinstated to the community, but he couldn't pass at the opportunity to partner with God in expressing God's love. So he, in love, faithfully built this well despite not being loved by the people who had kicked him out of their village. And he did it so that they could have water and experience God's love through that. This man had every reason to not show them love. He could have sat in bitterness. He could have feared the evil spirits. But he chose to complete God's love by partnering with him to drive out fear. And in doing so was able to reflect God's love to a group of people who so desperately need it. We are called to reflect God's love. God is love. His love is meant to be embraced, lived in, and reflected. When we embrace his love, he transforms our lives and eternities. When we live in his love, he allows for us to partner with him to complete it. And when we reflect his love, we are able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, living out the greatest commandment, to love God and love others. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this time in your word this morning. God, we ask and we pray that you put on our hearts Someone who maybe needs to feel the love of you. God, allow for us to reflect that love and how we treat them and, and what we do in their lives. And God, allow for us to continue to experience your love as well. We thank you for your sacrificial nature, your willingness to die on the cross. And we ask that you continue to help us pursue knowing you more. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another and be one of mind. Live in peace, and the love and the peace of God will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.